I'm Liz. And I'm Emily. And this is Smut and Swear Words. Episode four. And this one, like the last one, is a second fucking taping. Yeah. I haven't lost my mind at all. We have completely lost our minds because... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm totally sane. Like the last one, this one is also at nighttime. Yay! Nighttime! So we are surviving off of caffeine at this point. Cold brew at 8 o'clock at night is a choice. And I'm drinking Coke Zero because I'm not a psychopath. Coke doesn't do shit for me. It doesn't do anything as far as like caffeine goes. No, caffeine doesn't do anything for me anyways. I'm only going to get slap happier. Oh, fun. It's going to be a fun one, y'all. I love that for me. Episode four, we again ended up with another fucking cinnamon roll. We can't escape them, y'all. We guys, listen, we like had full on like strategy discussions of like picking the books that were popular TikTok recommendations that we were like, okay, this makes sense and it should be different enough from like the previous content. It's we're gonna get different types of different men, types of men different, different dynamics. It's gonna be incredible. It's a fucking cinnamon up in here. Cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll. With icing and everything. It's all, it's sweet and fluffy and it is just. So we have some fun stuff coming up for spooky season though. And I swear to God, if any of them are a cinnamon roll, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> You're not going to like one that we're reading? I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> At least it's a mix. Here's the thing. I normally, out of the two of us, like the happy, sunshiny stuff. Like the the, the no, really cute, like intimate interactions where like they're mm. cute together. That makes me like, give me an asshole that wants to slam me up against a wall that I want to hate, but I also want to fuck. See, I have to be like in the mood that normally like the stuff that like makes me giddy and like kind of like, ooh, like a, where I get a reaction. It? It's been four cinnamon rolls. Can I get there, woman? It's that I, <laughs> listen, normally I like the shit and like the cheesy, happy stuff is what gets me like going to like Ugh. the sexy scenes where I'm like, okay, this is awesome. But, like now I'm just like, Ugh, you're all so fucking nice. Can we do something like, like oh what an God, asshole, Del? They're all nice. I mentioned in the last episode, like, give me an, like, give me a bully who has to redeem himself with his dick. I want the only good thing about you to be your dick <laughs> or your tongue, any physical part of you. That's I want. Yeah, I need something rougher than this because right now it is all. It's, I like this book, the one that we've done this like week. If I wasn't, it's like, okay. Shut up. If I wasn't, <laughs> if I wasn't like, like a cinnamon roll after cinnamon roll after cinnamon roll, I would have like loved, loved, loved this one. But I'm getting exhausted by all of the well-adjusted people who aren't like well-adjusted, but like well-adjusted in a happy sense. Not in a toxic way. These were, this one bored me. It was cute. So we're doing another fucking cartoon cover, which if you listen to episode one, I don't like slow burn cartoon covers. But it's Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. There are a couple trigger warnings. It does talk about chronic illness and abusive relationships. As far as the description goes, we have Chloe Brown is a chronically ill computer geek with a goal, a plan, and a list. After almost, but not quite dying, she's come up with seven directives to help her get a life. And she's already completed the first, finally moving out of her glamorous family's mansion. The next items? Enjoy a drunken night out, ride a motorcycle, go camping, have meaningless but thoroughly enjoyable sex, travel the world with nothing but hand luggage, and do something bad. But it's not easy being bad, even when you've written step-by-step guidelines on how to do it correctly. What Chloe needs is a teacher, and she knows just the man for the job. Redford, Red Morgan, is a handyman with tattoos, a motorcycle, and more sex appeal than 10,000 Hollywood heartthrobs. He's also an artist who paints at night and hides his work in the light of day, which Chloe knows because she spies on him occasionally, just the teeniest, tiniest bit. But when she enlists Red in her mission to rebel, she learns things about him that no spy session could teach her, like why he clearly resents Chloe's wealthy background and why he never shows his art to anyone, and what really lies beneath his rough exterior. It's a cinnamon roll. What lies beneath the rough exterior is a fucking gooey cinnamon roll. It's not even that rough of an exterior. It maybe really I'm just... isn't. He's a fucking ginger. Is it just that we've read so many, like, such nasty, toxic, like, really rough men? That, that like, might be the case for one of us. <laughs> 
You just said that you want, like, rough, dirty... That like, doesn't mean I've read that. Oh, I totally have read that. Um, I mean, I, ha- I have. I've definitely read books with toxic controlling men mm-hmm. and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. But I just, I really think we tried, guys. We really tried. We picked one about goddamn Hades as our second book. And we picked an orc. An orc. Squishy. Fluffy and they're cinnamon rolls, just cinnamon rolls. Which, which, if you like that type of thing, these are going to be great. And also, this book. Okay, so if we're getting into the ratings for the like smut factor for this, I'm talking about a spicy rating. For me, it's a two. It's a one. It's a two. It's a one. We'll get in this argument again, but at least this one compared to the love hypothesis had red masturbating, him eating her out, and like the fingering thing. You get more. Yeah. Way more. You get way more content scene in it, and you gave it a but two. The difference throughout is that this book is a fucking tease. There's nothing wrong with denial play. I don't like it. Oh my God, it's it. It just it. Every time you think it's gonna start like going, it gets cut off until like page two hundred and fucking something. This just goes to the fact that and guys, also you have no patience. No. My other issue with this one <laughs> is that the first time that they actually have sex is a very bad scene for me. Oh, yeah. You're very much. Uh, I am very against the way that they first had sex. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not the way. Where the it was setting. located. The setting. The setting. We'll talk about it when we get the there. When we get there. Oh, God, but I forgot for a second. It it's been so long. immediately took me out of the scene. And that's why I gave this one a one. Now, the the earlier scenes, I think, are good. And they're Mm well-written. They're very well-written. They're well done. The scene we get of the two of them on, like, the steps of the monument is incredible. Yep. But again, it stops short. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. Technically, it doesn't because she has an orgasm. I wanted more. I'm greedy. So overall, Spice for Me is a one. Honestly, the biggest part of that, though, is their actual, like, first-time sex scene is the one that I have issues with. Oh, where they're actually, you mean where they're actually fucking? Yeah. Okay. The plot for me is like a three. I'd say it's like a three. I think it's, it's cute. It's a good plot. I think it does a really good job dealing with the uh, trigger warnings we already mentioned with the past relationship. It definitely feels more like first. So it's a dual POV, ah. which is really nice. Yes. I love, love a dual. That. We love a dual. But it definitely feels more like her arc than his yeah for sure and i think hers is given a lot more time but i think it's a lot more had, had more time to like work with hers though that it, it makes and i feel us. like the moments we get with the two of them together are great mm-hmm. but when they're apart it falls flat for me for like both of them yeah because i will say so my i think i said i agreed on like plot would be like a three for me the the plot for this one this is like strictly romance there's not a ton of like outside sources that are like pushing this forward it really is the relationship mm-hmm. between the two of them it's very and character their own, like their women. own yeah their own traumas that they have and how like they're trying to uh work through those as they develop a relationship together yep so it, it feels a slower pace it's de- it's definitely a slower pace to like the other stuff that we've read I love this one. I thought the dialogue, I love the dialogue and the love hypothesis. This would be even stronger to me, their back and forth, where it is that Chloe has that dry British wit because this one is set in, uh, it's a British yeah, author. It's a British author. So it's very dry. It's very witty. It's I the like pop it. pop culture references. There's some Xena, the warrior princess stuff. It's just, it's very much like, this is my type of humor. So I thought that this was like incredible I to read through. I love this type of humor. I loved it even more when she was grumpy. Oh, yeah, when she was grumpy. It was peak for me. It's just so, like, when you first start reading the book, humor's top tier. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I first thing I wrote was, I love the tone. Yep. Immediately love it. When they start getting mushy and gushy, I get bored. Yeah, even just, I, and I also think like the interactions between Chloe and her family, we love Gigi. We'll just say that right now. G- her grandmother, Gigi, is. If I'm not Gigi, Gigi is when old. I get older, I'm going to be so upset with yeah. my life choices. I'll be upset with your life choices because I will also want to be a Gigi. I want to be a Gigi. You have to be a Gigi with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, Gigi's great. You like, you, basically you come into the story I don't know. It's an outside setting where Chloe is going on her prescribed walk that she's supposed to do to help, like, deal with her chronic illnesses she has. So she has fibromyalgia. It causes constant pain. She says a good day is when she's at a four as far as, like, pain level goes. And it causes her to be exhausted to, like, extreme levels. 
and I think the author does a fantastic job. I obviously I don't experience this, but like giving you an inside picture into like how it is to live that way, which is just heartbreaking. What are like total like blackout headaches or just having like just be like simple tasks just like taking you out for days because of how your body does a really good job too of hitting her highs and her low days. I think it shows both of them really well. And not just in like the character and like how she responds, but her environment around her and how that's transformed. Okay, so like after the she has her near death experience and she decides that she's going to come up with a lift Mm -hmm. because she realizes that her eulogy would be incredibly dull. She goes home and is, like, contemplating all this and just lays on the floor. And you see Gigi come in and she's like, oh, having another one of your spells? And she's just like, spell? I'm okay. She's like, all right, enjoy yourself, darling. And then yeah, just, like, just fucking walks off. Gigi's, Gigi's the best part about this fucking book. Gigi, is, she's not the best part, but she's definitely up she's there. The For me, it's definitely the dialogue between the two characters is absolutely the best. The just snark is great, which you end up finding out is, like, a defense mechanism for Chloe. But, like, it is... So quick, so witty. So her first thing that she wants to do on her list is to move out. Her family is all over the place. Her family's very wealthy, but she's got it's herself and two other sisters, which this is a book of three, technically, because yeah. you get her sisters each get a story. So like same universe, different plot. So you've got them, you've got her mom, her dad, and Gigi, and she's just I need to get out. I need to be on my own. So that's like the first thing she does is she moves out. And, of course, like, the building she moves into is Red is the superintendent of the building with his fucking leather jacket and his ginger hair. And so here's my, where, like, I totally agree with you, where, like, he is peak cinnamon roll from the very beginning. There is very beginning. As the reader, there is never an instant where you're like, oh, he's a bad boy. He's got a rough exterior. When it starts out, he's fixing the toilet of an elderly resident because her grandson put vegetable casserole down the toilet instead of eating it. And to make her feel better, he agrees to eat it. Yeah, send him in the yeah so right from the get-go, it's like, you're not a badass. You're, no, a, you're just a nice dude with some tattoos and stuff. There's no, he literally is just like this sweet, artistic soul. There is no, he, yeah, he wears a leather jacket and rides a motorcycle. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And I, I like, artist. when you pick up the back of the book, you're like, oh my God. The dude's going to be, like, so fucking badass because he's going to help her be more badass. Nope, he's just a sweet ginger artist who is really observant of people's needs and cares about them deeply. He's a fucking cinnamon roll. He's a major cinnamon roll. He is, like, the peak definition of a cinnamon roll. Peak cinnamon roll. Yeah. Him and Zorba would get along great. They really would. They would be (laughs) friends. They would be major friends. So, and she's, so, uh, character description-wise, we do, we have Red, who is a tall Tall, ginger ginger with tattoos and leather, and we have Chloe, who is a shorter... Black woman with, she usually wears her hair in a bun and has bright teal glasses because her eyesight is trash. Horrible. Which later on when they have sex and she takes her glasses off, like, don't you want to see? Yeah, I want to see it. As put your glasses back on. We yeah. let you stand. Like, your sight is terrible, Chloe. Terrible. So, um, she's, and she's uh, also curvy. Curvy. Yeah. Which I'm like, yes, give me all those luscious thighs. Like, yeah. that's the. And the, I think, yeah. I will say, like, reading a, as a curvy woman, reading about another curvy woman. I love it. They do a really good job of being like, yeah, she's got, like, cur- actual curves. But they don't, I don't know, they don't, like. It, they don't make they don't like fetishize. a fetishize. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They don't fetishize it at all. It's very much that he just because I have read those books less normal. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. it's it makes me icky. Yeah. It's, it's not it my favorite. Done. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Or sometimes I'm like, and I no. like that. Like in the descriptions, though, like they don't ignore it. No, they but don't. they don't like like you said. They don't fetish no, it this, either. This writer. Talia is absolutely incredible as far as like descriptions, dialogue, and just like natural conversations. It's like, good. This is another one with love hypothesis where like how this author writes these feel like very real people to me where, yeah. like i i know like you and i have talked about it before where i feel like when i was reading this one i was sad when it was over because i enjoyed being with these characters so I much that's sad i got I, I got a little bit bored with them that was my i would read another book by her a hundred percent i want to yeah. read the one about uh, her sister danny, danny who's yeah. like the academic mm-hmm. and I just feel I picked up on a few of her vibes. Yeah. I would totally read another book by her mm-hmm. again. I just this one just got a little too sweet and gushy for me. No, I, I really liked it. And I think I, I actually I had the thought where I don't know, it did. It pulled me into the world so much where I kept thinking, I'm like, oh, if 
Chloe was like a real person, I don't think she could be friends with me because I'd just be laughing the entire, like I wouldn't be able to contribute anything to the conversation because she's too quick, she's too dry, and I would just be laughing the entire really? time. I think y'all are the same person. Mm, I don't know about that. I, I I associated her much more with you than with me because you're much more like, oh, I am a sarcastic. Yeah, you're much grumpier and like sarcastic and dry. But I am. as she gets like sweeter and gushier. Oh yeah, that's, that, that's like you. Oh, mm. she's like, I gross she's great but i'm sorry that was gross <laughs> you really get the first official interaction between the two of them though which is it's pretty funny is she's trying to save a cat from a tree that's not the first interaction they have one in the hallway with her sisters where she's oh, she's an answer to him because she yeah. thinks that the first real conversation yeah, well, they the, have the cat is definitely the first real conversation but like basically what you find out has happened is chloe's not great with people Part of that is purposely. And Red has run into her in a lot of situations where she doesn't come off looking the greatest. She looks posh. She, she looks like she looks like a posh asshole. Very pride and prejudice vibe. It's, it's very. But so she thinks that, rightfully so, that he hates her. Um, and you find out very quickly that he does, in his head, hate her because of the similarities that he compares her to his ex-partner, who you end up finding out was incredibly abusive to him. So he has prejudices. He has prejudice. This is very like has pride. It's very pride and prejudice of it. It's very, it's very much those vibes. So, and, but you definitely do get that, like Red is Elizabeth and Chloe is a Darcy type of thing. Oh, hundred percent. But yeah, so like they have an interaction with the sisters, where the sisters think he's super hot and Chloe like he hates him. And you also find out that Chloe has been spying on him. Only done like a couple of times, but she marks that as doing a bad thing by like staring okay. at him. Yeah, through dude, like no, 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 no. Hold up. The dude is painting half naked in front of his open window. Yep. But her doing something bad was that she peeked through the curtain at him. Hey, everyone's got different definitions. Uh, that would not be on mine. That but, would not be on mine. Yeah. But that was so mild. But so and she was so much guilt about it. Yeah. I was like, really? But again, Chloe hasn't had a ton of like honest really? like, people interaction in like quite a few years since her diagnosis of her chronic illness and everything. I'm trying Dude, to be understanding. Those were wide open, and it sounds like he lives on the fucking ground floor. They do because it's yeah, she had to have an accessible unit. So I don't. I look. I understand. I get it. It's not that bad of a thing from like our perspective, but to this character, it is a, a naughty bad thing to do. So she marks off her list of saying that she's done something bad. But it's too embarrassed to, like, tell him about it for now. I mean, as, like, Liz said earlier, their first, like, real interaction of talking to each other is when Chloe gets home from doing, like, her daily, like, walk and everything and finds a cat in a tree and decides that she's going to climb up and save it, which is so cute. And then she gets stuck. Yeah, she gets stuck. But, like, her talking to this cat as she's, like, climbing the tree is so funny. It's just so entertaining. She ends up, like, getting to the cat. Great. She's got this cat now, and she can't fucking get down. Yeah. So she's sitting up in the tree with the cat, and Red is basically like, get the fuck out of here. This chick is in a fucking tree. And essentially, like, White Knight fucking rescues her. Mm -hmm. While they're having a hysterical back and forth and, like, peak He's just so grumpy. It, it is incredible in the beginning. It's so good. It is just grumpy, dry, sarcastic, witty humor. Mm-hmm. And I am obsessed with it. And keep in mind, though, at this point, so Red has seen her in all like these kind of not great looking like situations and everything. But he thinks he's not aware of her chronic like pain or her exhaustion or like any of those things that she has to deal with with the fibromyalgia. So they finally get out of the tree. He thinks that she's hurt herself mm-hmm. because she's wincing and he he's very observant of people and that's all too prideful uh, to admit it. Jesus. Yeah. So exhausting. I'm going to fucking do this um, the whole episode. And I'm going to leave. He like thinks that she's hurt himself and like already like because of like her like trying to rescue this cat, it's already fighting against a view that he's had of her in a way because someone who's super posh doesn't care about anybody wouldn't climb up a tree to go and rescue this cat who she made named Smudge, by the way, which is weirdly an incredible name for a cat. It's a great name. It's for a cat. absolutely incredible. I absolutely love that name for a cat. And for anyone that listened to episode three, I'll let you know right now the cat's fine. Yeah, the cat's fine. The cat it's does great. not meet a moonlight esque fate. They agree that she can keep the cat for now, which that's really funny too, because he basically like pretends like he can never see the cat when he's over. He's like, what cat? And like, and she's just yeah, like, yeah, they're, they're not allowed to work in the building. Yeah, so she's allowed to keep it until she like finds out like who the owner is, which. 
that was a one weird section for me of like bringing in the friend that like that one it. time and then she like pops up later and I'm like there was no establishing that they actually became friends. It was weird. I just kind of assumed she's kept herself from like building these relationships because of well, she. So you she, find out past betrayal, right? And like she doesn't. So she doesn't have like friendships. She's basically got her two sisters. She works from home and she has like her own business. She does like web. Uh, she does web design, so I like content creations, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like she, it's not like she's like going into an office or like you know what i mean so she's basically like alone quite a bit of time Mm -hmm. on her like day-to-day anyways it basically leads into her being like oh that's right you have a motorcycle and (laughs) i'm gonna exchange a motorcycle ride for tips for like a website i'll give you like ideas you can basically pick my brain because i'm so smart I was like, oh, okay, she's going to exchange a website for help with the list. But it doesn't happen right away. That's the only reason I remember that detail. Oh, yeah. Is that it takes until after the motorcycle ride Mm -hmm. that she's like, hmm, maybe you could help me with the rest of my tasks. Okay. Is this when they do the emails then? Is that when the emails start back and forth? And that's like the first like flirty kind of interaction between the two of them? Yes. Yeah. Which the emails are quite funny. Yeah, that happens after the motorcycle. So before the motorcycle, though, mm-hmm. we get the first spicy scene, yep. which is Red basically has a fucking wet dream about Chloe. So immediately, so that's another thing. Okay, he's supposed to be a bad boy. Immediately, dude's fucking hooked. Yep. Already gone. Well, you also find out, too. So like, Already he's, gone. like, hated her and everything. It's one of those, like, hates where, like, he's told all of his friends about her. He's he's talked about oh, her. Yeah, he's not even plans, he's talked about her. about her. But, yeah, he just... Basically, you just so he basically gets up to start masturbating and like as he's thinking about her and she shows up at his fucking door. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, my God. And this he's thinking of like it's the cliche of like he was thinking of like like any of like thigh that he's seen Mm -hmm. and like her and her like bright teal glasses. So the masturbation happens, like you said, again, he's like about to finish, but doesn't finish. It's like the beginning of like the teasing of like him not coming. He doesn't get to come till the end. The book's up edging motherfucker and not even to her he lets her come multiple times but it's the to he does pounds. well yeah whatever i know that's fine i can whatever I don't like it. so when so she knocks on the door he goes to like answer and like pretends that he's like had no, a nap he doesn't even have to pretend oh, no, she, she says assumes it. oh my because God. she's a naive little person but that is just really like, because she brings it on later on too multiple mm-hmm. times like his reaction to it is so funny i do and we get it in his pov mm-hmm. and his face and of course because he's a ginger so when he blushes it's, it's whole like his red. whole face and Everything. his ears yep totally red. like it's super cute it's, so yeah he's Oh, thank God she thinks I'm napping. Mm-hmm. But it was just like that. It was great. The yeah. humor in this book is fantastic. Oh, it's so good. So after that, you get the motorcycle moment, which I thought was good, but wasn't great. I it feel was, like for it being one of her list items, I felt like I needed a little it was bit the more first, list. I think it was like the first big step for her that catapulted her into doing the rest of it. Yeah. Like, so to keep in reference, like frame a book, we're like a hundred pages in at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just, it took a while to get to the point where she was actually like. But I didn't even notice yes, that because this was this. like peak grumpy back and forth dialogue. So that to me went pretty quickly. It was, again, I loved the moments they were together. Mm-hmm. I got bored when they were apart. Yeah. Yeah. So they do the motorcycle scene, which again, I think is hysterical because Chloe had to take off her glasses and she's blind as a bat. So like when they're like driving through, everything's just a blur anyway. Because she's she, so fucking blind. Yeah. But so she ends up absolutely loving it. Red is anticipating that she's going to hate it and never want to be on it again but take pictures like his ex did with it to pretend like she's a badass Mm -hmm. but she actually genuinely enjoys it which then like throws him off kilter again which i will say if you've never been on a motorcycle definitely put it on your bucket list it's online and my husband won't let me do it fun i love going on motorcycle rides i want it so badly we'll get into this more but his ex is a horrible 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 person his hat his ex is you 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 do find out actually it is a very very emotionally and physically abusive relationship which was the other piece that i really enjoyed from this author besides like taking on like this chronic pain at like this character having like this an experience that uh, the majority of people do not have and like expressing mm-hmm. that to the reader and being able to experience that 
having a man be in an abusive relationship and not be the aggressor I thought was a very interesting take that you don't see very often at all you don't no it was really well done I think again my issue with his arc is that it seems and we'll get to it because it's closer to the end of the book it just seems very rushed. It was very rushed at the end. At the end. Yeah. Um, I think Chloe's pacing is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think with each, like, thing that she does, she, like, really, like, self-evaluates and learns throughout this whole book. It's a beautiful character arc. Yep. Red's feels more rushed to me. Oh, yeah. His definitely – I was waiting for him to tell Chloe more about his past. Like, she was opening up to him. Yeah, you don't get it, it until the very end. Almost. The very end. Yeah. It's very abrupt and shocking, like, how things happen at the very end of the book. So at this point, we then get her being like, this is when you get the email exchange. Mm-hmm. And this is when you do get her calling her button, though. Oh, I love it. adorable because she loves these little cardigans that mm-hmm. all have buttons on them. Yep. He ends up realizing after she's told him about, like, her, you know, pain and everything. Oh, yeah, they're fake buttons. Because dexterity-wise, she can't do the, like, the like the dexterous motion of doing buttons because of the pain. Fake buttons. They're all fake buttons. And that, to him, is just so... The most adorable the thing most ever. The adorable thing ever. So he basically calls her Button, like, the whole time. Button or Chloe. It is... The nicknames are adorable, and she absolutely, like, as much as she wants to pretend to hate it, loves it. But she, at one point, when he starts calling her Button, says she's gonna sew a button to his tongue so that he can... Mm-hmm. And know, I will say, I love the... So they start off with her emailing him. She signs off with regards and they keep, he's like, regards, really? And mm-hmm. he, she doesn't even spell it out. It's like R-G-R-D-S, whatever yeah. it is. I don't know the abbreviation. And then it like slowly like progresses more and more to like regards, respectfully. And then it's like, and then it basically ends with yours though, which I was like, that's really, it's a it's, really cute tie. It's just so well done as far as how cute it is i'm gonna be honest i don't remember what happens at that point but uh, i did write no you fucking tease of a book i think that is when she's supposed to have some work done on his site but she ends up having a bad day where she falls asleep instead and she's in like a onesie he knocks on the door because they're supposed to have a meeting to go over the site and her recommendations and everything and this is when he finally like besides like the sex dream that he had and like these random thoughts that he's trying not to accept that he feels he uh realizes oh i'm really fucking attracted to this woman and she yeah. like has like a he was wet and at least like fucked yeah <laughs> she's like wearing this like okay she's wearing like a, a, a onesie a fuzzy onesie a fuzzy onesie and like a, she's hot too which isn't good for her because she can like pass out that way like a bead of sweat like drips down her neck and, like his thought is i want to look i want to look it <laughs> so it's he's just fucked She's equally as, like, turned on by him at the same time. So it's just seeing the chemistry between the two she stops it. Which I get it. She doesn't feel good. Well, but still. And she can't. She, I think. Fuck you, book. I'm trying to remember. Is this the point? I I think that's what she says. Where she says that I can't do anything with red because anything with red is going to be complicated. Yeah. It's going to be, like, more than I, like, think I can handle at this point. Because what you find out, too, from, like, Chloe's past, they both have had, like, trauma. She didn't always live with chronic pain. This was something that happened later on after she had a friend group. She had a fiancé. She had a Mm -hmm. whole, like, life set up for herself until she started having these, like, terrible spells of just feeling horrible. And it wasn't, like, she hadn't been diagnosed for a while. And so doctors believe her. Like, just made up and no one really understood. Um, And you end up finding out that, like, all of her friends ended up abandoning her and her fiancé left her. Because he's an asshole. Yes, he was a major asshole. So to her, she's just, I'm too much of an inconvenience. Everyone's going to leave me. So the only people that I can depend on are myself and my family. And that's it. Yeah. So she's not open to other, she hasn't tried to be open to other relationships. But we do get another wonderful Gigi moment. Oh, we love Gigi. Gigi calls all of her grandchildren onion. (laughs) And she loves that they're all wonderfully weird. And she hates that her son was so boring. Like, I... God, Gigi, I want to be this woman. It's just having, like, a family that just loves the unique qualities of each, like, everyone around. Like, Gigi's story, you get, like, a little bit of, like, a peek into mm-hmm. near the end. And it's just, she's wonderful. Which I will say, shout out, Talia, if you ever want to write a Gigi story. Oh, we'd read I it. I would read it so fast. Uh, Any point in her life, Yeah, I would read it. Gigi and the yoga instructor. Give it to me. I mean, really, that's what I want? Yeah. But I'll take anything. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, not picky. Yeah, so from there, they've had, like, the sexual tension buildup. They had the kid, like, the almost kiss, and then they stop it. 
fucking tease. And this is when they get to the club scene. So one yes. of the things on her list was to, to go have a drunken night. Go have a drunken night. She ends up realizing like throughout the like club that they're in and like having some drinks and everything that what she really wanted off of this was like a past experience she had when she was with like her friends, which is just having really fun. Sad. It made me really sad. It was it's, a very like bittersweet thing because yeah. like we've had so many of those nights going mm-hmm. out with our friends where you're just like stupid drunk and like you're silly you're silly, together you're just enjoying the culture to the bathroom and you're dancing on the floor you know and it's just if you aren't a girl and you've never been like drunk in a bathroom with all of your friends like, having deep it, conversations about how much you love each other and then like telling this random girl that her outfit's cute and she needs to dump her boyfriend and then you become best friends for the entire I, rest of the night it oh. is just peak it's like peak life experience yes it's something that you just you remember so I I felt that so much when she was like talking about like that was more of like she wanted the experience of just being with people experiencing something. So what they end up doing is she tells Red, she's like, take me somewhere that you enjoy being like, show me something you enjoy doing. Of course. Where does Red take her? To an art gallery. Not before they notice the fancy chair they're not allowed to sit in, which ends up like they mention it again. It's like a funny little joke. Yeah, they go back and forth about the chair. Yeah. They go up the steps. And, oh, real quick, though, before we jump into this, basically, so when she asks him to help, he starts planning out the activities, right, yeah. that correspond with the list. And she asks him to help with the camping, the drunken night out, and the motorcycle, right? Just the yep. three? Just okay. the three. So she doesn't show him the full list. And he plans everything, though. Yep. And I will say, I love this about him. Mm-hmm. He picks a bar that's close enough for her to walk to that she wouldn't have to walk too far. The art gallery that they go to isn't too far of a walk. Like the camping site he later picks isn't a far walk. Like he and sends her like health and, in mind. Oh, the entire he's so considerate, but without being like, "Are you okay? Yeah, you need to sit down. Are you okay? Are you in pain? Are you okay? Are you yeah, okay? it's not a, like a mothering thing. It's just a, he's being a, a kind, considerate so person, genuine. Yeah, like it is. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is just. It is. Yeah, he's just amazing as far as like people go. It's uh, it's yeah, wonderful how he does. He does it in a way that like because normally she would feel like smothered by that because like that's how her parents were mm-hmm. as far as like them being overly worried for her. But it is just like in tiny little moments, him. Just it's just like lightly adjusting. It's there mm-hmm. always for him in the back of his head. Yep. And so it's really that I think that's just so well done. Yep. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Oh, and yeah. then but yeah, so he takes her to the art gallery. And that's where you meet Julian, uh, Julian, something like that. But basically, they go to like this Julian. art gallery. Yeah, Julian. So they go to this art gallery, and they're like looking at a bunch of different paintings. He hasn't. You find out Red hasn't actually been back to this art gallery since his kind of whole career in London imploded on itself because of this relationship that he had. And like he basically to left any, this whole world. He left the whole world, abandoned all of his friends because he just didn't know how to deal with any of it and needed to start coping and so of course like the snooty like manager of the art studio comes out looking looking at like the tough looking ginger guy with tattoos and the black it's just like you don't belong here which just pisses me off and whatever then comes over and is holy fuck i haven't seen you in forever yeah oh my god when are you gonna start doing art again like the whole thing and like of course the snooty guy then walks off being put in his place because julian's the owner yeah julian's the owner of the gallery and they have their moment which kind of you know always ties back to red's history and then they end up going for a walk and this leads to one of the really good like spicy honestly this was my favorite yeah which is they're out in the steps of this monument Mm -hmm. they're like like down from the, the art gallery so they're they're in public but i would like it seemed a little bit more like a private-ish area yeah they made it like apparent that like how it was facing it'd be hard for anyone to see them in a way but basically they played the i want game mm-hmm. and it is so fucking good and so hot and so steamy and it ends so fucking fast i think what was like really hot was it started with her touching herself but it was like mm-hmm. his hand over her hand and then it became like him fingering her and it was like a whole yeah. thing and then he to wear her around yeah. and basically just like whips out the titties mm-hmm. and yeah so like she gets like a great orgasm out of it which she talks about like the you know one of like the only the, the only good thing about 
feeling so much is like I'm feeling all of this to an intensity that like I don't right. think other the people ever is heightened. And so they end up like they go through the scene, which again, a great scene in the book. The, like Liz said, the best one. It, it It's my favorite. And immediately the whole fucking shit just goes nuclear with bullshit. So it starts basically with her immediately overthinking what just happened. Mm-hmm. Because like, right off the top, immediately. Because she already knows, oh, this is complicated. I'm already getting feelings. What does this mean? What's happening? Because yes. he tries to, during like the sexy scene and everything, ask her like, what do you want from the two of us? Like, what do you want like to happen? And like, like he has just said, fucking cinnamon yeah. that wants to be in her life but he had promised her no complications you don't because have to like, worry about that she wanted because that is what she th- also thought that she wanted so she told him you said no complications and immediately she starts like liz said overthinking She's already it. like fuck i'm already catching feelings basically mm-hmm. immediately starts overthinking it then you get fucking aunt mary yeah her mom out of nowhere and this dumb bitch i swear to god chloe we love you but this was not a good move basically instead of introducing someone like oh, this is Red. This is a person with a name and thoughts This is a friend. This is my acquaintance. This is somebody I know. This is a dude. This is a person named Red. Yep. She goes, he's nobody. Yep. Nobody. Which just immediately destroys him inside and out and makes him Because he immediately feels, oh, she thinks, like, she's too good for me, that I'm just, like, nobody. Immediately gets flashbacks and, like, PTSD pretty much from his abusive relationship yep and chloe's just a fucking dumbass I, like why couldn't you just say this is red yeah it's red done so the good Period. thing the only good thing that like comes out of this like besides so they do fight and they take take a couple of days like apart from each other the good thing that like from like red's perspective is he said okay i do need to go to therapy now and i do need to start like working on how I react to situations. Mm-hmm. So I love because I've totally used this line before <laughs> in arguments. So like when I've been upset, he like goes to her apartment and opens the door and is preparing for her to try and make it his fault that all this happened or That's his feelings don't matter. And so he said he immediately is like, "I'm allowed to feel upset. I'm allowed to feel angry, and I'm I'm allowed to be like mad at you right now." And right. she's like, "Yeah, of course you are. Why would you not be? Like you're allowed to be mad. I fucked up. You're allowed to be mad at me." Right. And that again just throws him for a loop because it's not what he was used to in a uh, relationship with someone he cared about. And I'm just like, "Yeah, you're goddamn right. You're allowed to be upset. <laughs> you she fucked up. You'd be pissed as hell, buddy." And yeah. what happens at, at uh, that point? So then that's when he notices that she's sick. She's oh, having a bad day. She's having a really bad day. The, like, apartment's kind of a mess. This is when, yeah, so he comes in and he's decides, besides, like, taking care of her, which, like, she won't, she just won't allow him to, like, take care of her. I just feel like in a book where you have a character that's dealing with any type of illness, mm-hmm. you, like, you always get one of these scenes. Oh, yeah. Like, you always have the love interest this is, taken this is care pretty, of. Like, to me, like, I'm an, an avid K-drama watcher. Like, this is peak, like, there's at least one episode every single romantic K-drama season where the main love interest gets sick and the other one takes yeah. care of you, them. And it builds their, to. like, trust with each other. So that's yeah. that's what this day is. Have to. It was cute, though. He, like, like you said, he makes her stir fry. He ends up, like, spending the night. They just, like, sleep next to each other, though. And he learns a lot more about her, too, as far as, like, yeah. the pain piece, too. And, like, about what yeah. her family does and uh, her habits and stuff. Then we get another fucking edging scene. Yeah, it just the book's a fucking tease. Yeah, because he eats her out, right? Yeah. Yeah, because this one, yeah, so yep. he eats her out, and she tries to initiate that, like, she should do something for him, or he could, they could fuck or whatever. But he said, no, I want to savor you and make this last type of thing. So, like, that was, I think, the, he's like, do I want to, like, take my mm-hmm. time with you type of thing. So, the, you get, like, this, for him being such a cinema role, like, when he actually gets in these sexy situations, he gets very, like, teasy, like, Dummy, very like yeah and i'm like Ooh, that is that's no, good shit right there i, I love that so fucking teasing He's, no i love the teasiness i was mad that interaction was edging me. i'm like oh no let's get over it i was so <laughs> upset i was like god damn it fucking deal with it go and grab your husband get over it no. <laughs> then so that's when she amends the list oh it's so changes cute meaningless sex to keep red yeah and she basically just realizes like i'm fucking gone at this point yeah like totally got i me. want him at this point we get the camping scene yeah because they both are like so like into each other at this point they've been hanging out having fun and to check off the other like item off of the list red takes her camping which is when we get to the full like sex scene 
which we have issue with. Okay, so they do like the little camping thing where they like they make marshmallows out of like a bonfire can because they couldn't have like a full on like campfire. This is when they get his story finally. Yeah, he finally tells her about like the relationship that he was in with his ex and what happened back in Lutch. Our context, we're at page 300. Yeah, we're very far in. Very far uh, into you, the book. You find out how he, how she emotionally and physically manipulated him and made him feel like mm-hmm. he was worthless, like all the things that he had achieved were. And that he, like, he was only as a, a, a success because of Jesus her. Christ. Yep. He was only a successful artist because of her. So it's, you really learn how fucked this situation is. And like, thank God yeah. he got out of it. It was bad. But he hasn't, like, besides, like, the few therapy sessions he's been in, he hasn't done a lot to, he hasn't to, dealt with any of to it. De- to deal with it. And so from there, they have like a nice evening together. Again, he's been considerate in where he's yeah. at the campsite. But they like, a st- this is where I get to, into issues. They establish that there's like other campers there and stuff, which I'm sure it's just different from okay. how we think of camping in the U.S. So, so I'm just, I'm going to assume this is the way I'm thinking of it is almost like what we would consider in the U.S. like backcountry camping, mm-hmm. where you are walking into the woods to get to your campsite. Now, they do establish that there are other people in the area. And they establish that their spot is, like, right near the car park in case she gets too tired. Yes. My issue is that they're on a fucking air mattress. Yeah, he does, like, the tent all, like, up and nice for her. And, like, it's gets the air mattress with would... a bunch of, like, pillows and blankets and stuff and strings, lights. That's where I have a fucking issue. Because this is full Austin Powers spy who shagged me level bullshit where if you're yeah. fucking, you're just seeing like silhouettes through the whole thing. Like this isn't like a, this, you can see things in the dark when there's lights on inside the tent, buddy. You can fucking hear that. Have That's you the other ever? thing. It's not a, a huge close space. All right. Trying to have a romantic moment and you're fucking on an air mattress and all you hear is goddamn like rubber on like Ugh. vinyl. Ugh. And it's, it's just like, oh, it's so cringy. Stop I, it. Just why would she have a perfectly good bed back at her place? She so had a bed at her place. Why would you pick the air mattress out in the tent in the woods? Like, I just don't. As the first time yeah. that you're trying, it immediately, I was like, no. Yeah, I was reading this and literally just, no, please tell me, no, don't give me this scene on an air mattress. Yeah. I was just fucking little children, probably like a hundred feet away. I was just think about the family. (laughs) (laughs) They can all hear you. Think about the children. I just, I couldn't. I literally wrote, the fairy lights are a cute touch, but I can't help thinking how fucking squeaky air mattresses are. Yeah. And I literally was thinking about, wow. They can see the full silhouette of what's going down in that tent. I am an avid camper. Mm-hmm. I have gone camping with my husband multiple times. Air mattresses are not romantic. Nope. They are not. They are very loud. And again, it's not even, it doesn't even sound like it's a good air mattress. It's got a hand pump to it. It's not it's one of like the good be, fancy ones. He carried it in. It's, it's got to be tight. And, oh my God. It's not like the jumbo size ones that we have that self-inflate and shit. Yeah. Like it. It's got to be thin. Somehow this works out and they have sex and it's it's very, it's, I don't know, it's good. It's fine. But again, I think we were both too distracted by the fact that they're I in a fucking get over tent the out of air bench. I couldn't get over it. Uh, and they get back to where they, he ends up spending like the morning with her. Every it's super cute. They it's super cute. They're happy. They bad. She's a little bit like uncomfortable from sleeping on a fucking air mattress yep everything's all glowy and of course like he's like naked in her room and his clothes are out in the living room and it's then this is when everything fucking okay but before that though we get the really fucking hilarious moment where her sisters come in Mm -hmm. and they're like oh god yeah danny's i would feel if you had died so i know you're just a bitch and ignoring us (laughs) That was like such. I'm like that line. I'm like, wow. I felt that in my soul for like certain so people in my life. Great, like you, bitch. And it was Ugh. so fucking great. And then they notice they're like, oh, so those are your like giant clunky ass men's boots by the door. Mm-hmm. And she's basically like, yes, he's here. And this is where I was like, fuck. They're gonna make it about the list. Mm-hmm. And they did, but not in the way I thought. So the the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, this book's kind of going in. A little different avenues than I thought, which is kind of nice. Like, it didn't, like, immediately hit all the predictable things I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. But I was like, God damn it, they're doing the fucking list. Yeah. And so she basically says, like, first she, her sisters go, oh, so you can check meaningless sex off the list because you fucked Red. And which Red throws like, a full tailspin of anxiety and, like, panic. 
that not yet, though. No, that no, that started. Well, that started the it. panic, and then it it and then she's like, "No, no, I changed the list. Mm-hmm. Now it just says red on it." Yep. And he's like, goes into a full fucking. He panic. goes. In, he goes into a full panic attack, thinking that she just thought of him as like an object or an item to do on her list, which is like his worst fear when it comes to a relationship with somebody so just like in his head fully he fully spins out and of course then you basically just hit on both of their traumas where he feels like an object and he leaves because he has to get out of the environment so he grabs his stuff and just and then she's if you leave don't fucking come back yeah because it just confirms her knowledge of people leaving yeah because it's just her abandonment issues all over again he is basically as soon as he steps out of the apartment because he says that he just he has to go As soon as he steps out of the apartment and gets out, the fog starts to lift a little bit from, like, this major panic attack that he has had. And he, like, realizes, like, logic is starting to win over against what his brain's telling him. And he starts to come out of it and be like, oh, shit. Oh, no, I fucked up. Which I think, again, this is the only thing that I think redeemed him slightly to her. If he had fully left, she would not have been. She definitely is. At all. Yeah, he, st- he stays there, technically. He's, like, right on the other side of the door. Yeah, and he knocks he, and tries to he get back in. He immediately say, like, I'm sorry. Because he, he immediately knows she's, I mean, he knows she's got abandonment issues. Yeah. Here's her sobbing. And Absolutely she's, like, crying. And I just, my issue with it is, at this point, right, we're, like, almost at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. It feels very rushed. It feels like like you're reading this book and you're going along and you're like, oh, great. It's going to be a happy ending and it's just going to end. And it was, oh, no, I need to squeeze in a conflict here. Yeah, it was basically they use, like, the past trauma as, like, here's, like, this major trigger point for them that they haven't, like, addressed. Yeah. That then set him off. That then his reaction created a catalyst to, like, how she was feeling. So she was triggered by something. And I so I hate the fact, though, that they, one, it's, like, um, it's kind of a miscommunication trope, which mm-hmm. is my least favorite. Yeah. I hate miscommunication because when I'm angry and that upset, which, again, I don't deal with panic attacks, so I don't know how I would be in that situation. Mm-hmm. But if that's me, I'm immediately standing there like, no. You're about to explain this shit to me mm-hmm. because I'm pissed off and I need every ounce of information possible. Yeah. And I, we had touched on this a little bit in the first reporting that we did. I have experienced like panic attacks like throughout my life at this point. So to me, how this was written was so reflective and how I felt in these type of situations that I know like Liz and I initially like had the discussion about this book. I know you didn't fully like I it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. When I was reading way too like rushed or like too intense. When I was reading his panic attack, I didn't understand one that it came on so fast. Mm-hmm. But I even could understand that a little bit more. It was when he left. Yeah. It, it felt like a switch that he was like immediately fine to me. Mm-hmm. That was what I didn't understand. Yeah. And that's where having them like I've been in those situations where it did, they can be triggered by anything from feelings of failure to just feeling overwhelmed all of a sudden over who knows what and for me it has been sometimes where i've just had to leave the environment that i'm in just to feel like i can breathe again before the law again the logic can start being a stronger force than just what my brain's telling me i feel like it would have benefited the reader especially as coming from someone who doesn't deal with that if we would have had the moment a little bit sooner or earlier i i think maybe like that would have helped if there had been like some like major like kind of like or like the guiding moments for him right or if we would have had a conversation like with the therapist Mm -hmm. you know what i mean just to give yeah a little bit more detail like i said red's arc just felt rushed yeah to me she like touched on it a little bit but i think that Again, it was much more you got, like, uncertainty versus, like, major anxiety, yes. right, I think, from him. So oh, I think that there that. were – it felt much more like so, like another, like, a second chance at self-discovery for him. But, yeah, I definitely feel like we could have benefited from just another little – yeah, a little more depth no, there. No, I completely agree because it, until this point, I wasn't – like, I wasn't aware of it. Like, he dealt with any sort of like, I did anxiety episodes, panic attacks or yeah. anything like that. So it did – well, like, that's not – super uncommon for one to just happen when you're in an incredibly stressful situation like it wasn't established that he'd ever experienced anything no. like that it just feels out of the blue it felt like i need something to get to the climax yeah. of the book to have the conflict to then get it fixed and then we have the whole thing with chloe just being like if you have this much power over me mm-hmm. then it's not worth it and yeah. we need to just separate and i just again 
I hate that logic. Yeah. I hate it. But so what Red's, Red ends up doing, because he knows he's fucked up, and again, it ends up being like poor timing. The notice goes up that he is going to no longer be the superintendent, which is a decision that he made before all of this happened, mm-hmm. that he wanted to start to moving forward with his life and again. do art and focus on that and stop being stagnant as the superintendent. Chloe sees that again, feels doubly like he is abandoning her even more than what he was doing before. And that this is like his like official yeah die. especially then since a box shows up on her doorstep from him and she thinks oh it's like a breakup box like a goodbye box with a letter in it that she doesn't read who gives gifts as a fucking breakup i know it's not like a real box it's like a yeah it takes her three gifts no it was a full week of gifts it was no before she realizes that they're not breakup it takes her to the third gift before she's maybe these breakup boxes so he basically sends her like a very like significant meaningful gift every single day so like a full so that ties notebook. back to what they've experienced together sends our notebook which you know he she's got notebooks everywhere she writes everything down yep she doesn't read the note that's in it then he sends her chocolate which again like i'm dumping you here's some chocolate yeah. but it's like bars and bars of her favorite like high chocolate count a dark chocolate yeah a dark chocolate bar he sends her she loses her hair ties all the time and never finds them i love this one this was a really so he gives her like a jar of a bunch of hair ties and she immediately is like oh well that's not that sweet because like because of my hands like the hand weakness i can't i can't open jars only to find out that it's one of those I, I think of them as like the top of like snack cups that kind of like not what I uh, thought. Uh, no spill. Yeah, the no spill. It's hot. You just stick your hand through. So like yeah. that's what it is. And she like realizes that she's like, oh, shit, like that's kind of sweet. This is a weird thing to be like a breakup thing. Yeah. Maybe that's not what then it is. Then he sends her like fruit and little cheese. Abrupt off little chair. A whole bunch of stuff. It, literally, he's just like smothering her with gifts. And yeah. in true fashion, she goes to see Gigi. Oh, the Ooh. queen. Gigi queen. is a goddess so in this scenario too so she goes to see Gigi. she sneaks she fucking sneaks into her parents house mm-hmm. like avoids everybody to like go and see Gigi. Gigi is doing a yoga session and like with her does, hot yoga with teacher. her oh yeah her hot yoga teacher shivani and does not stop. by the way stop the yoga session for a full 40 minutes her granddaughter's just waiting there for her and she's like, fuck you i'm doing my yoga right. i'll talk to you afterwards when that's important <laughs> the first thing she so she's what do you want basically mm-hmm. oh yeah and chloe's like oh I just came to say hi and Gigi's you fucking snuck past your sisters and your mom just to come say hi yeah that's bullshit it's so entertaining and then we get my favorite line out of the whole book which is Gigi's advice so basically Chloe's I don't know what to do like this is like kind of scaring me and like is this worth it pretty much and Gigi's like love is certainly never safe but it is absolutely worth it and you get like I want to get that tattooed on uh, me at this point so honestly it oh my god I was like Gigi you're the smartest most wise woman I've ever encountered yeah she you end up finding out that like Chloe's dad's father was not like a good man so you mm -hmm. you learn a little bit about like Gigi's backstory about like she desperately loved him even though he wasn't a great person she said that the love and what came out of it was worth it for her in the end because of the family she's now surrounded by so it's not even like the wealth that they have because they're at like this massive mansion no it's it's the people that have it's come out of uh, it Chloe's Chloe and her sisters her son chloe's mom it's the everyone that she surrounded herself with yeah and it's it's a really really just like beautiful moment between like Gigi and chloe and again Gigi is queen yeah and she will do no wrong yep so uh of course then chloe does the smart thing and listens to a wise Gigi and goes back and reads the note from him and immediately because the note says i'll wait for you either open your curtains or come to my door call me do whatever you need to do to like reach out to me she of course in typical chloe is a creep fashion opens the curtains wait before that though why so also tied to the note though was the get chloe back list oh we have like two of cute. okay so so he wrote this whole note being like I want to like go do art. You've done so much for me. I want to be with you. I, you know, I want you to trust me, all the kind of stuff. And then he goes and has a get Chloe back list. And on this list is lure her with food and presents, wait outside Annie's house and Nick smudge, learn how to use a PlayStation because she's super into gaming. Yeah. 
paint in front of windows shirtless, maybe naked, might traumatize residents slash get arrested, but I think she'd like it. <laughs> Take charge of all buttons so she can wear real cardigans if she wants to. Oh, my fucking heart. Use my bloody Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Continue therapy. Love her always, no matter what. And he's got, like, ones checked off. It's it is just the sweetest so thing. Fucking precious. How Talia, this author, like uses other communication methods to like have these dialogues back and forth and they were my favorite oh they're incredible the email exchange that they do and that letter at the end was like one of my favorite writing style is just amazing i she is like so smart and caring and like it is just so heartfelt and genuine it is it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy i just absolutely very warm and fuzzy Go to therapy. No. Happy, warm, fuzzy things are not a bad thing. Okay, but we've had a lot of happy, warm, fuzzy things. Okay, and Wabi's moments are adorable and precious, and I still like them. I'm just ready for something different. Okay. She opens the curtains. He sees the light coming from her window and looks over at her in, like, disbelief and happiness. She runs to him in this dramatic fashion. To, like, his front door, and they talk and get back together and reconcile and then you get a little epilogue where it's a year later and they're in new york visiting the moma because he wanted to visit the moma and, and she wanted to travel with nothing but hand luggage yep. which i'm assuming is like a carry-on yeah i would assume so what i was thinking in my brain not like a purse but like a carry-on yeah like a backpack but like liz said just, i'm tired of cinnamon rolls at this it point. really it honestly it bored me by the time that they because they got I think it was they got so quick to the feeling part. Mm-hmm. And like we were like more than it does. It feels more like a romance. Like you said, it's oh, very yeah. character development like driven and it feels like a romance. So like it's more romance than like spice or that like other flat like pieces. It's yeah. strictly about their relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, 100%. Because I would have liked, I feel like but if they're going to like have more outside sources, I would have been like, oh, are we going to like meet the ex-girlfriend or are we going to meet her ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance or whatever? And that never happened. They were very like strong presences throughout the whole thing. But it was, yeah, I really liked it, though, regardless. Yeah, I mean, you basically get to the, like, them even, like, starting to complete the list, and they're already like, oh, I'm fucked. I already like this person. Yeah. And it so it just, I'm like, okay, we got so mushy so fast. Yeah, but if I, like, if I gave this one, like, an overall rating for how I felt about it when I was reading, like, this was a solid, like, 4, 4.5 for me. I really liked it. And I would totally read again way more from this author because i just love her writing style so much and the characters are so strong and so believable and so genuine this was a two and a half for me but i definitely would read i literally she just took the breath out of my body with that nasty ass rating that you just gave i got bored. i almost didn't finish this but book. i think that's because of what we've read leading up to it it's been a lot of cinnamon rolls so that made this even let me finish mm-hmm. i was gonna say I would, one, I would definitely read the author again, though. She's a fantastic writer. I would totally read another one of the Chloe or the Brown Sister books. It would definitely be more of like a palate cleanser for mm-hmm. me if I like read some really fucked up, dark and twisted smut or psycho killer stuff. Coming soon. Hopefully. Dear God, please. Something. I'm going to cry. I want to hate somebody and not just without uh, being dumb. I can tell you the uh, next one we read, you're you're going to hate. They're going to hate, but it's not in a fun way. Oh, no. It's, it's yeah. For fuck's sake. Stop telling me something that makes me not want to read it. I have questions for the fans of this author. Desperate questions that I need answered. (laughs) And I'm not even done with the book yet. Oh, god damn it. But, yeah. So, that was stuff to look forward to. Yeah, that was Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Very, uh, very cutesy. Very, if you like Love Hypothesis, you'll love this. Oh, yeah, it's great. Very much on the same track. It's it's cutesy. Oh, it's really good. Ignore Liz and her dismissive tone of this one. It's a very good book. Again, it's also just like 11 o'clock at night and we're very sleepy at this point. Yeah, I'm exhausted and I still have to drive home after yeah. this. We're also old-ass moms who normally go to bed by 9, so this is way past our bedtime. I mean, I will also have to be up probably by 6. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, true story. Ew. I got I to run in the morning. Oh, you're getting such a nasty text from me tomorrow morning of just being pure grump is what's going to happen. But uh, make sure to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Swear Words Pod. 
If you have a book that doesn't involve a cinnamon roll, please, God, no more cinnamon rolls. Oh, if you At have. At least for a while. Like a really like just nasty, gritty one with just. Give us a couple breaks. Oh, my God. Please email us yeah. at smuttandswearwordspod at gmail or DM us too. God, it's like we're just, just walking by cinnamon roll after cinnamon roll after Cinnabon after Cinnabon. I just I can't. We love Cinnabon. I need a Hot Topic. No, I need a Spencer's. No, I need darker. I need a noir leather. <laughs> Something.